Hey everybody, it's Vanessa Van Dyken and you're watching the AmSide podcast. Hello and welcome to the AmSide podcast, the show that talks about all things disc golf. From weekend rounds with our mates to the Pro Tour over in the States, we've got you covered all from an amateur perspective. My name's Rob and as always, I'm here with my co-host Dale. Hello mate, how are you? Oh, Dave, if I was buzzing anymore, I'd be a bumblebee. <laughs> we have had a fantastic weekend of coverage. It was nail biting all the way through, and we've got an ultimate guest this week. So I'm I'm just looking forward to jumping in. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what they can expect from this week? Yes, absolutely, mate. Well, first of all, I need to speak to the listeners because I need to get a bit better at the guest to guest. Um, as there's no right answers this week. Um, but as our intro and our Instagram have told you. We have got Vanessa Van Dyken on the show today. Um, we were very lucky to catch up with her before um, Waco um, to talk about her pro tour and how it's going to start. Um, great, great interview. One of my favourites we have done. Um, also, we've got, as I said, another weekend of disc golf to talk about. Uh, Waco was windy and there's, um, there's a lot of content out there and um, a lot to discuss. Absolutely. And we're going to jump straight into that. But first, let's give a quick message from the sponsor of the show. So as always, the Amside is sponsored by DiscHub.co.uk. DiscHub, they're a great seller of plastic over here in the UK. I mean, just a disc that I've been throwing personally is the Yeekin Crossbow. Now, if you don't know Yeekin, they, they're doing some cool stuff with their plastic. And this crossbow, I mean, it's essentially a mid-range tilt. And it's, it, it, it's crazy. You've thrown it, I've thrown it, and this thing just bombs. So uh, if, you, if, you go, if you're looking to get something slightly different, maybe head over to Discub to, uh, to choose your next disc and make sure you use our code AMSIDE5 for 5% off, which is always a win. And you mentioned about our Guest the Guest competition. It is a rollover week. So the next Guest the Guest will have a discub.co.uk voucher up for grabs for whoever guests is first. So that's, uh, that's exciting for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think Discub of this week said that they're going to up the ante to £15. Um, so it was £10 last week, £15 to the winner, whoever can guess that guest. So you get one guess right, and that's a new disc, right? Yeah, incredible, mate. Get yourself a crossbow. <laughs> absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's jump into Waco. What a weekend it was. Do you want to kick us off with... Uh, do you want to set the scene, Dale? Why don't you set the scene? The scene um, was very windy. Um Conditions weren't ideal out there this weekend. Um, pros were struggling. Um, holes were shortened. Um, headwinds everywhere. But you know we had we had a good weekend of disc golf once again. You know the pros showed us what they can do. Um, few surprises out there, I'd say. Yeah, definitely a few interesting names up there. A few names that if you sort of you mentioned them to me a week ago, I would have said, "Who are they?" So some new faces up on the lead cards, uh, which is always refreshing in this wonderful game of disc golf. Um, but it was nail-biting. Positions were being switched left, right, and center on both the MPO and on the FPO. I mean, the, the first the first place was fairly set in concrete from halfway through round one. So why don't we talk about the winners and why don't we start with the FPO? Kona Star Panis. I put out in our story on Instagram that she should be called Kona Superstar Panis because she just had the weekend of her life. Oh, her disc golf was incredible. You know, it wasn't without its faults. I think round two, she started with a double bogey, um, but still managed to really, really push it. And I think she finished 16 under in the end. And the closest to her was, I think, two under. She had a 14 point spin on that. Well, that's that's a joke, and we are seeing that at the moment. We're seeing the FPO win, and then second or third and fourth was very far behind them. Um, so the packs definitely are split. There's four or five people out there this uh, this year that are really showing us what they can do. Yeah, and a name that we weren't seeing last season, which we're seeing every single weekend now, is Owen Scoggins. She came second again. She won last week. This is someone that's dangerous. I mean, she's beating out Paige Pierce pretty much week on week. So, I mean, we spoke in the in, in the tour predictions episode about these eras and these sort of uh, certain players really taking the lead in the FPO, and we were fairly certain that Paige Pierce was here to stay. But you know what? That position at the top of the FPO is looking as unstable as ever. 
yeah, as we saw in Las Vegas, you know, she she got the win, but it wasn't without its faults. Um, I mean, round two, she blew up, absolutely blew up. I think she shot a 75, which uh, shot her right down in the rankings. Um, and then it's always going to be a tough ask when you got Karina going out there shooting six six under, six under, uh, four under. Um, the the consistency won there, um, and Paige is yet to find that consistency this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, wind is something that's always going to mess up a disc golf, a professional amateur. I mean, I was out there doing field work and 20-mile-hour wins this week, and nothing was connecting. So feel for these guys. But also they're pros, so you kind of have to think that maybe wins is part of the game, should it affect the scores as much. So, But that's that's probably a conversation for a, a weather episode we have uh, <laughs> in, in, in the future. But talking about people that sort of had a round that kind of blew up in their face, we've got to talk about the MPO, we've got to talk about Eagle McMahon coming off the announcement of being the highest rated player in the world, in the game right now, and then throwing arguably one of the worst rounds we saw first rounds of the weekend across not just the sort of the lead cards the televised cards but anyone i think he was sitting down in the 70s after day one yeah yes he he pulled it back but he sort of he'd buried any chance of coming in coming in cash in that first round the frustration was there you saw the frustration was there uh and yeah, it must be so hard mentally to to build back a game once sort of really going under like that. Yeah, I think once you've that round has happened, it must be quite hard to reset because that next round you're starting from from behind and you're going to have to put a round of your life in to to get back up to the lead card. Um, I think he finished seventy uh, seven under in the end, which was forty seventh, tied with Brody Smith. You know, top player in the world. Is is sitting with a with just over a thousand thousand rated player. Um, I'm sure we'll see him bounce back, but it it wasn't his it wasn't his weekend. No, for you Brody fans out there, there's chats on the Brody Smith fan group on our Facebook that it does mean that Brody Smith it might be joint best player in the world right now, which uh, I think jumps to quite large conclusions. But you know what? Uh, He's people getting can, there. <laughs> people getting can dream. There. But let's talk about the winner of the the MPO. Nico Le Castro, what a weekend he had. Uh, and coming off an injury as well now, but listeners might not have seen the coverage or seen his interview, but the only weeks prior, he got in a, a fight with a soda machine at a friend's birthday party and busted his knuckle up. So his putting style was slightly adapted, but it didn't seem to affect him in any way, shape or form. This guy was just on fire from day one. And it was uh, it was awesome to see. Yeah, round one to round 3.5, he was on fire. You know, he went seven down round three, first nine holes. And then I think we start to see the nerves. Um, it starts to see like, I think he, I saw on the coverage that he looked at his phone. I don't know what he's looked at. Has he looked at UDS and seen what's going on? Because something changed in his game. He was leaving his approach shots at the edge of circle, um, which was giving him some difficult putts and, Cal Laviska was was on his heels. Um, and I think had it not been for Nico throwing it in on 17, we could have been going to a playoff because we got to the 18th hole and Cal Laviska had no option but to go over. You know, he couldn't lay up. Now that's a par three. You know, he has to try and make that birdie. And in the end, we see him try and make a birdie putt from 75 to 100 metres, goes in the water and it's Nico's game. But it could have been very different had that happened. I think the part of the weekend and the part that won the tournament is Nico on 17. If you didn't watch it live, go back and watch Jomo's coverage on this on this shot. It's a 70-plus foot jump putt just to keep that one point ahead, and it was glorious. It's one of the best shots we've seen this year. Um, so it was just it was wonderful to see. Oh, now, brilliant. And I think also on that is his first drive was awful yeah um he, he absolutely he, he grounded it it skidded up he he had no shot so he, he's played it around the corner and landed it 77 meters away and then he had to make it otherwise as i said things could have been very different but um fair play to nico you know good weekend and it must be must be a good one to to get that notch on the belt absolutely absolutely 
But uh, you mentioned U-Disc and you mentioned the pars being changed. Now, it's not a surprise that some of the hardest holes the players saw this weekend were ones that have been shortened by a stroke. So I think three or four holes this weekend have been had a stroke removed, which obviously is going to make them harder, especially for these um, returning pros, which are used to a hole being a certain way for the last few years. So they're having to mentally change how they're approaching the hole, the shots they're taking on the hole. It's not business as usual on the ones that have, uh, have been changed. And we did see that a lot of the mistakes were being made on those newly adapted holes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when uh, Paul McBeth shot his favourite round 18 down there, you know, we had a par five, we had a par f- uh, two more par fours. The 18th was a par four. So it made sense to go over the water to get that eagle. Whereas this week we were seeing people to have to go over the water to make a birdie. Round two, there was one birdie made on 18th, and that was Calvin Heinberg, who was the only person to make a birdie on that hole. Whereas um, I'm pretty sure the year before, we saw that the competition won on that 18th hole. Um, the par three with the railings, same thing. That was a par four last year. Um, we're seeing people penalise, and you know you can't get that par if you go out of bounds this, this time, otherwise you have to make an 80-metre throw-in. Um, so the course this year was completely different. And I would arguably say up there with Hornets to being one of the hardest courses on tour. For sure, for sure. But I do want to give a shout out to, I mentioned the season touring pros. I want to give a shout out to some of these names that we haven't heard yet, but we saw up on the lead cards. Two in particular, we've got Gavin Rathburn and Gannon Burr. Now these two guys, like I said at the beginning of this episode, if you mention their names, I wouldn't even know they were disc golfers, let alone playing at the level we saw they could play this weekend. Both young guys, uh, Gannon being 15, he was 1,000 rated at 14. I mean, they were calling him the uh, the child prodigy sponsored by Prodigy. This guy, yes, he, he croaked a little bit at the end. There's that, And that's just experience, tournament pressure, lots of the things that he's going to build. But this guy if he keeps progressing the way that we're seeing and know that he can after this weekend's performance, he's world champion in five years' time. Oh, massively. Um, you know, Gannon Burt, I mean, if, if the commentators don't know who they are, how are we meant to know who they are? You know, um, they called one of them, I think Ratburn used to talk about, they called him T.O. He was tied 10th and literally they'd said, oh yeah, T.O. here. Because they had literally no idea who this guy was. Um, but I think if you didn't know, you now do. You know, Gannon Burr, you know, 15 years old. When the commentators found out he was 15 years old, they were astonished. You know, Nate Sexton was like, where has this kid come from? Um, you know, fair play to him. And it's really good, really, really good to see those younger players, you know, fighting through, getting sponsored and making it to these big competitions. Will we see him in the rest of the, the year? I don't know. You know, um, it was a prodigy event. That's probably why he's there, um, but I'd love to see him up there. Absolutely. I mean, when I was when I was fifteen, I couldn't even get my straw in a Capra Sun. That's the kind of level we're dealing with, the kind of difference. So um, it was it was just absolutely amazing to see. Um, and then lastly, you've got to address the predictions that we made last last week because we were off the pace. I think both of us had Paige Pierce uh, for the FPO, and like we said, that didn't come in to fruition as we expected, but we did give uh, shout outs and we, we said that we'd expect sort of Kona and Owen to potentially have a good weekend. So, you know what, we had our fingers <laughs> a little bit on the pulse there, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take some credit for us. Um, over on the, uh, the MPO, I had Heinberg, you had Macbeth. I t- I, I've taken you by a tiny bit. You know what, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep going Heinberg because it's, there hasn't been an event in the last probably 10 events, including the end of last season, where he wasn't up there in that top 10, even top five. And he is just weekends away. It could be next weekend from taking the top spot. And at this point, it's just, uh, he's teasing me. He's teasing me, Dale. I need to see him take the win. We need, I mean, we talk about our predictions and every week we do a grip six when it allows us. And I won the first week. I think you've won this week, but... Let's, let's not be around the bush. I would think nearly 12,000 picks. We were both in the 11,000th. We didn't do well this week. Hey, man, if I if I go into the 8,000, I'd be happy. So it's going to come. That's my goal. Next weekend, I'm going to be 8,000. That's going to be my... Uh, that's going 
going to be where I'm going to be sitting. So uh, first week I was in the six thousandth, and now I'm like double. So, oh. we'll, and we'll, he does we'll, love we'll... to brag. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that brings us on to the guest this week. I mean, as always, you guys have sat through us rambling about this weekend's Pro Tour event for 15, 20 minutes, just to get to the bit that you really want to listen to. And that's the wonderful guest that we've got on for you this week. We had the opportunity to sit down with Vanessa Van Dyken and just had a fantastic conversation around how she preps for the game, especially being in quite snowy conditions over the off season. And also how we as a community, especially here in the UK, can build the FPO game. So why don't we, uh, why don't we jump over to past Rob and past Dale and have a chat with Vanessa. Vanessa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. No, awesome. It's, it's great to have you. And um, thank you very much for coming on. Um, it's, as I said, it's, it's awesome you're promoting that UK content. And hopefully we can give you, uh, show you what, uh, what we're doing over here, because uh, I think it's very different to in the States. Yeah. Yes, I'm super curious about that. Like what the scene is like over there. Well, I was talking about being slightly different. So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're currently in Michigan where it's extremely cold and snowy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it is terribly cold and snowy. And it's uh, it's hard to do anything, really. Like, I'm so, like, I always go outside and I do a jog outside and I do a hike and everything. But every single day, I hate doing it or when I lived in San Diego, it was so easy. The sun is so warm and inviting. I felt bad being inside. Like I had to be outside, but now it's the opposite where I just really, I'm dragging my heels every time. Sometimes I'll just stare at my shoes, my like running shoes for like 20 minutes before I like make myself go. But yeah, the cold is super rough. Motivation is normally the hardest thing. That's the first step. Once you yeah. got that out of the way, you're good to go. Um, well, maybe you could uh, have any tips for us then. So in the UK, we're no strangers to cold. Um, and as amateurs, one thing we're constantly fighting is uh, that sort of the hitting the wall when you keep taking your hand out your glove and your hands go numb and you can't feel the disc. Have you got any pro tips about what you do to sort of maybe keep warm or do you just give up at the moment? <laughs> I want to give up at the moment. But uh, actually, I found there's this, it's a strange thing, but... Um, there's this guy I really like. He's from Netherlands. His name is Wim Hof. And um, he's like, there's a lot of things that he does. But one thing that I use, like if I have to uh, practice my putts outside of the circle, like inside, I only have about 20, 23 feet where I can practice my putting. But when I want to practice uh, outside the circle putts, what I do is um, I'll put like a big bowl of ice water or I put water in a bowl in the freezer for an hour. And then after an hour, I kind of like crack open the top and it's like ice water. And I put my hand in there for two minutes and um, it's super painful. But after about 40 seconds, uh, like 40 to 50 seconds, the pain goes away and your body like pumps in a bunch of hormones and adrenaline and stuff into your hand. And um, after that, uh, I get all the feeling and everything back. Then I go outside and do my um, outside the circle putts and it's no problem. Wow. That's incredible. That is. Think, it's weird, but it works. <laughs> I, know exactly, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, yeah. Because my uncle does something similar to that but he's got basically a massive barrel that's full of water yeah. and every day he'll do 15 minutes ice plunge and sit, sit in there but you're right it's all about mind over matter isn't it well what's interesting is okay maybe at like 30 seconds you feel like you can't stand it anymore and you have to leave but you're only like 20 seconds of, away from the pain going away so if yeah. you just like remind yourself of that, then like your body will pump all the hormones and stuff to make it the pain go away. And it kind of, like, yeah, like it accepts the cold, but it's really strange. But that's the only thing that works for me. I think you've just Rob, you've got a basket. I challenge you to that. I, 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 I will not be doing that. And I think Vanessa's just upgraded disc golf to an extreme sport for the sounds of it. Cause that... it's, it's only your hand. Like you don't need to do your whole body. Yeah, but I, I guess you're no stranger to uh, 
sort of icing your hand because obviously you had a, you've had a previous injury is that is that, that is that on your throwing hand and is that something you had to do anyway to in the recovery process of that yeah so that's actually why I started doing it to kind of help with the inflammation for the um injury I had in my ring finger but now it's not really now I do it just for the cold putting I don't need to do it anymore since I had surgery but uh yeah so when you go back to the warmer climates, do you sort of sit outside, warm your hand up, get a suntan before you do your putts or <laughs> no, I do just, the opposite? No, no. <laughs> yeah, put my hand in fire. <laughs> no, um, I don't do uh, anything like that to prepare for um, the warmer climates other than just like a regular warm up. But uh, it's so much better in the warmer climate. I mean, you don't even have to do that great of a warm up because your muscles are already like warm and ready to go. It's so much it. nicer. I just couldn't get motivated, I don't think, to throw my disc into snow to go yeah. and pick it up again. That's, I mean, we've just had snow here. And I mean, it's different to where you are. If we get, you know, three centimeters of snow, our whole country shuts down. Um, oh, wow. But it literally goes to to pot we can't do anything <laughs> um but i we can't play disc golf at the moment anyway because of lockdown so um, oh really yeah so we're completely locked down um all disc golf courses and golf courses are closed so we're wow. really relying on that field work so we had a week um last week where we couldn't do anything and uh, for two players that just want to get back out and play and it was it was heartbreaking but uh, next time yeah. it snows i'm gonna definitely practice my ice putting yeah right that's strange they don't even like i mean we had a lockdown here last um april i think i believe it was but you were still allowed you weren't allowed to go to um, like restaurants or anything like that or gather at all only to the grocery store but you were allowed to do um like outdoor physical activity like jogging or hiking or you, you could play disc golf yeah so we've, we're completely done so we can't go to restaurants we can't go to meet family um all golf courses and disc golf courses are closed so yeah we we're, we're just waiting for the day that the prime minister wow. tells says you can go back out because first thing i'll do is drive down to rob and we're gonna go and play and, and vanessa just said something right? really interesting which we might want to try which is warming up I, I haven't heard of this before uh <laughs> no. i mean uh, maybe maybe next time we do a round we, we'll try this strange warm-up technique technique right <laughs> rather than ripping the closest i get to a warm-up is forgetting my bag and i have to go back and get something and have to walk back <laughs> to the car. that's the warm-up you go that's, jog back to get yeah. it yeah because you know we with you i suppose you, you know you're a professional athlete you're incredibly good at what you do so for you it's it's that repetitive and for me it's it's turning up and throwing my disc and but is a lot more on the line for you yeah it I like don't even know where to start because it's like a stressful thing. But I mean, <laughs> I started, I used to not do warm ups until I started touring and, you know, you're playing every day. Like you only get one day off a week and your body just gets super stiff. And um, because of the repetitive movement, um, injuries happen really easily if you're not. And especially when you're touring around, you'll yeah. be driving like, from some places it's anywhere from like five hours to like 15 to the next place so especially when you do like a 10-hour drive and then you get out of the car to go play around and you're all stiff from being in that like crouched position for several hours uh yeah you have to do a warm-up or else you're gonna die <laughs> yeah well I, I i guess um i guess there's a lot of stories i mean coming from uh, previous and current pro tour about how important it is to take care of yourself i know um simon Azot has just sort of announced that he's gonna have to postpone his start to the season because his arm isn't a hundred percent still so i think um yeah i think it's so important to keep yeah. uh, keep looking after yourself out there yeah i think he said something i can't remember Absolutely. verbatim but uh he had like a little pain in his elbow for most of the season or if not the whole season and that's exactly what happened to my finger. I had a little bit of, it was painful, but it wasn't, it was maybe on a scale of one to 10, about a three. So I didn't think much of it. And then you keep on playing on it because your pain threshold is high or whatever, and you don't think it's uh, alarming, but those are the most dangerous ones. So if you have any little pain in like your joint or fingers or anything, just rest it. 
Well, I wear a um, I wear an elbow brace, uh, which uh, the guys who play with call uh, call my lazot sock. So because um, <laughs> he, he wears the brace <laughs> itself. So um, no, ab- absolutely. And I suppose I guess the the pressure of being a professional, you think, oh, I can push through it. I can get I can get over the pain. But yeah, no, it's um, it's great to hear that you're uh, you're, you're a lot better now, and uh, and uh, you're not feeling it as much. Hopefully, um, so yeah, I learned the hard way. <laughs> so um. One reason we're super excited to have you on the show today um, is a callback to the first ever episode of the show where we talk about our favourite discs of all time. Um, and Dale very proudly announced, well, why, why, why don't you say what your favourite disc is and why you're excited to have Vanessa on? Well, the disc that changed my disc golfing form and everything was the Meteor. Um, I absolutely adore that disc. If I had to play around with one yes, disc, it'd be me that. Too. And um, (laughs) I was super interested to find out, you know, why that disc, why the meteor, what was the point where you're like, this is the one I want to put my name on. Okay. So, I mean, I have several favorite discs, but if I had to choose just one disc, um, like if I was stranded on a desert Island and they were like, you can choose one disc golf disc, it would be a mid range. And I feel like you can do the most with the understable mid because you can throw it on any angle really and control the power to make it fly the way you want. Or you could even do hyzer flips by like putting it on the hyzer angle, but putting a lot of power behind it. So it'll flip up and you can, there's just so many things that you can do with it. It's a very versatile disc, any understable mid range, but I just happen to love the meteor specifically because um it's a beadless mid-range so I really like that it has a nice clean release off the fingers and I like the rounded edge uh I'm not the Comet is a really similar um understable mid but I don't really like the rim or the feel the the profile like the rim of the disc is uh kind of pointed or a little bit more sharp kind of like a rock and uh, it also has a little bead. So I don't really like the way it feels mm-hmm. in my hand. And I just feel like the Meteor is super comfortable and has like a quick, clean release off the hand. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely there with you. I, I don't throw any beaded discs. Again, it's just it's that feel, which it's, the, it's that extra sort of texture, which it yeah. sort of gets into my mind, I guess, when I'm playing. I mean, I have an absolute confession to make, which is I have the biggest hole in my bag, and that's understable mids. I have so many stable mids uh, and, and just neutral mids, but I've got no understable mids. And I'm currently, I put out an in search of post on the uh, British Facebook um, uh, group around buying discs. I was like, has anyone got a Meteor? So um, that's the next thing. The next disc that's going on bag is definitely a Meteor to fill that uh, huge gap. Well, a crater, I guess you could call it, if, it, if, we're, if it's going to be filled with a Meteor. <laughs> a crater. <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, and they're nice for sidearm too because they don't have a bead. So you can really, you can do a lot. Like if you're kind of pinched, in, I don't know if you guys have a lot of wooded courses. It's a, where, where are you guys so we're from? In this, we're uh, just outside of London. So actually around London, um, I know you spoke to uh, our podcast brothers, the guys over in the chains. They're slightly, slightly further north. Yeah. So there's a few more wooded courses up there and definitely actually a lot more courses uh, in the Midlands to North England. Um London, a lot of them comes with permissions in parks. So um, there'll be uh, free to play, uh, just activity centers and parks. So a lot of them are a lot more open. Um, So yeah, definitely we're both excited to when lockdown finishes, get to some other courses to challenge ourselves, maybe some of those narrow corridors that we're yet to really, really try and uh, try and throw in. Yeah, that's when you'll fall in love with the understable mids and just discs in general in the woods. It's so much easier to throw with a lot of hyzer and hit the gap and then let it kind of pop up and do the work for you rather than trying to muscle something overstable down a tunnel. I really agree with what you said about, um, I know you've you've said in the past that the meteor um, you love because you naturally throw on that hyzer angle. Um, and I think that's something that's I think that is the most comfortable yeah. um, sort of release. And I was kind of trying to force over that sort of release on an Annie. But yeah, I absolutely agree. So if you can make the disc do all the work, then it's it's an absolute no-brainer. So, um, and I think that is what really changed Dale's game because you were able to just re- uh, release flat and yeah. really get the nice drift to the right. Yeah. 
I didn't have that Annie in my bag. I, you know, I come from, I played ultimate and I've got a very, you know, my forearm is my strength. And then when I was watching my friends play, I couldn't throw that Annie flex and I couldn't, I didn't have that in my, in my bag. And then I got hold of myself of a meteor and I, and I, and I started to be able to do it. And it was like, that's, it changed, didn't it, Rob? It, it really, yeah. there's a point I was like, I can do it. And now I could throw, you know, my force or something overstable on that Annie now with power where I couldn't do before. And it was all because of that, that one disc. I do, I do have to blame the Meteor, though, because there was definitely a whole, uh, the, the few yeah. uh, courses that we played together, <laughs> there was a couple of holes that I was thinking, oh, great, Dale doesn't have a single Anheuser or flip uh, turnover shot. This is where I can I, I can get a stroke on him. But now he's <laughs> that, that disc has caused the game to be slightly closer, maybe. So um, yeah. maybe that's the Meteor's fault. <laughs> and we're super excited for the 2021, obviously, Tour Series to come out because... Last yep. year, they, they weren't very readily available in the UK. So as soon as that comes out, one's going straight in my bag. So uh, mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah, they're they're supposed to be in this. Uh, I mean, I have to, I keep on putting this off, but I need to ask if I'm allowed to say what the plastic is going to be. Mm -hmm. But um, I know what it is going to be. And it's going to make all the tour series discs fly a little bit more overstable than they generally would. And I love that, especially for a mm -hmm. understable disc, because okay. you'll um, like if you are playing in the woods and you're hitting a lot of trees or whatever, it'll break in a little bit more slowly and have like a more predictable turnover and be like a longer lasting like nice understable mid rather than you know you ruin it by hitting too many trees and it's just like a rainbow you know so, i can relate but, to the trees yeah <laughs> but if you ever find yourself at a loose end of any meteors that you don't need anymore they just know that you have a uk uh, fan that is uh absolutely loves them <laughs> yeah yeah so how long have you guys been playing for so I've been playing since the first lockdown last year. So March, oh, March 23rd, yeah. day after my birthday was when lockdown first started. Um, oh. So I bought myself a starter set from someone online and then I fell in love with it <laughs> absolutely ever since. And uh, Rob, uh, you were a little bit just afterwards, weren't you? Yeah, slightly later. And I think um, it's, imp it's important to say that the courses haven't been locked down for all of the lockdowns so we're, we're we've got a trilogy of lockdowns in the uk One. so we're on a we're on number three currently um and it's just this third lockdown which wow. is uh course is fully closed um and disc golf uh for both me and dale kind of i don't know definitely saved our 2020 um because we weren't able to uh travel and sort of meet in groups with our sort of our, our, our friends uh, from before uh, it was a reason that we were able to get outside and it was sort of okay it's a Sunday let's get out and play disc golf once a week and it's it really sort of gave uh, us a lot to do and well it's it's now gone yeah. to the point where we've uh, we've started this podcast because we wanted to sort of take this love of the game to the next level and uh, and, and 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 share uh, share a lot of things with other people so um yeah, we, we, we're definitely new that's why it's the am side we don't claim to be pros in in any yeah. any perspective. But um, but as I as I said, I couldn't think of a better guest than the amateur uh, world champion or previous world champion. So you're clear, you, you, right? <laughs> you're the spokesman for the amateurs. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's really cool that you guys are doing that because most people are going to connect with you rather than uh, or throw more like you rather than they would like Paul Macbeth or something. So your input is really important because. Uh, if a disc flies well for you, it's probably closer to what um, it would fly like for them rather than if Paul Macbeth is recommending like his favorite oh. super overstable distance. Exactly driver. that. And it's when they it's when they say about super overstable distance driver. So let's go for the force. You know, I've recently put a force in my bag. There is yeah. one purpose only. It is my skip disc. So I need to skip something fast that skips. Yeah. Paul Macbeth's out there firing it on a, a hyzer. It's flipping. And I'm like, is, is yep. where on earth yep. I'm going to be able to do that? That is so funny. I also use the force for the same thing, like for low ceiling, big skips. And that's so funny. I remember, I think out, yeah, Waco last year, he was in a, I don't know if it was a playoff, but it was on hole 18. Mm -hmm. And Paul had to like birdie uh, the hole at Waco to 
maybe tie or win the tournament. I can't remember. And it was super windy and he threw a force, which is crazy overstable for us mortals. But (laughs) when he threw it, it flipped and went OB or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's just so crazy. That would never happen to me. No, you're right. Watching them do it and, and us do it is uh, but even watching yourself, you know, I'd never be able to throw a disc as well as you do. So I think, you know, your form is, is really good and, and watching you is, it's been awesome. And then I think the FPO side of things is, is really, it's a big point. I think we're, the sport is growing massively, isn't it? On the FPO side. It is. It's crazy. I mean, I remember when I first started touring, my main goal was to get to 950 and now that's, not the top marker of you know the best in the sport anymore now I mean Paige Pierce is almost a thousand rated so now everyone like I'm closer to that 950 goal but now that I'm closer to it I'm like ah, actually I need to start um striving to be a thousand rated which is really crazy to say but I mean that's where it's headed so yeah so crazy so, so, so you mentioned uh so you mentioned Paige um i think we we were we were really yeah. interested so um on the mpo side obviously you talk about uh the immortal paul Macbeth, uh who yeah can, t- yeah can turn over discs which no one else can um but we get the sense that every 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 tournament every 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 week there there could be anyone winning winning and taking that title with with page on the fpo it seems a little bit same old story i, I think would be fair to say um in no way taking away the achievement um, how do you, how, how is the sort of the buzz around the FPO? Does it just drive you guys to say, you know what, there is, like you mentioned, there is this goal that, you know what, we, we know the person to beat and, uh, and let's just go out there and get it done. Yeah. I think everybody's kind of chasing down Paige because, um, I think she's kind of in this, uh, zone, especially last year and this year where her putt and her drive and her whole game is kind of like working in harmony together. Whereas in previous years, uh, she's always kind of like her driving has always been amazing, but struggled with the putting like circle one putts or upshots or whatever. So it hasn't really all been tied together, but I would say she has the most developed all around skill sets. So when all of those things are working at the top level for her, she's really hard to beat. So, um, I mean, for myself, I, I obviously am super competitive and that's why I compete and that's what got me into it, but I really worked hard on, uh, pushing all of those competitive things aside, because if you really get down to it, the only thing that you can do is, uh, do the best that you can do. And, uh, so what others are doing shouldn't affect the way that I'm playing or what I'm thinking and doing, because in the end I can only do as best as my, what my skills allow. So I really just try and not that I'm not competitive, but I just try and put most of my focus on the things that I actually have control over. And I try not to waste any of my mental energy on things that are out of my control. It's really interesting. You say that because when me and Rob play, we've always said it's a sport where you're not paying, well, you are paying against each other, but you're paying against yourself. Right. You know, we're always, you're the only one that's got control. It's not like you're playing football or soccer from where, where you are. Um, you know, yeah. you've got your, you've got your teammates that can make a difference, but in disc golf, it's only you that can make that different. And if you let right. the pressure get to you, then that's when you're going to crumble. Yes. Yes. That's exactly why I tried to kind of put, what you just said, that's why I put uh, more of the competitiveness inside me. I try and push it aside because it makes me crumble when I put too much pressure on myself rather than just getting out of my own way and letting my body do it. Well, watching, um, watching a couple of your, uh, a couple of your rounds, I think it, from what I've noticed, you know, or, or one thing, one thing I've noticed, and I think it's a really great thing is you can almost see that, um, frustration leave in, in in the facial expressions that you make so i um i can't remember the exact mm-hmm. tournament but you were um uh you were you were on a card with, with page pierce i think um and you went ob in the lake just right at the basket i can't i can't remember the uh the, the exact round 
but we I in 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 your eyes you kind of had that oh that just happened kind of mentality but you almost saw your sort of yourself settle back down and kind of, you always saw the the frustration dissipate which was quite interesting because I think some people uh players in the NPO and FPO are so wooden with what they do I think uh, one of one of uh, one of my favorite players is uh Heinberg because he just sort of oh he, yeah <laughs> if he chooses not to show emotion or is incapable but I just he's he's amazing to watch for that for that sort of aspect of his game but I think what you do is you show that you show that there is emotion but you sort of tend to let it go um and that sort of that 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 act of letting it go is kind of visible when you sort of you see you maybe picking up that that disc that went OB or and uh, equally when you when you make the putt it's that overwhelming joy and then okay back to focus and uh, onto the next hole Oh, I know what you're talking about now. And I remember being really upset because it was my favorite new driver at the time. It was a Hades. I think it was probably a Ledgestone. Yeah, I'd have to. Anyways, that that did happen. (laughs) That has happened at Ledgestone. Oh, that was terrible. But I mean, uh, I actually um, stole this technique from an article I read uh, that I think it was Tiger Woods or something. And he has, uh, I can't remember the exact rule, but essentially it's like a, he has like a 10 step rule where he can be mad and let out frustration about some, like a, a bad shot. But after he takes 10 steps, he, le- he leaves it behind. So I allow myself to get upset to kind of let that energy out. And then I just kind of like push it aside. Like now it's time to go on to the next one type nice. amazing I've, 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 I've just looked into it and yeah so it was a 2020 uh, ledgestone so you're on the card with uh pierce uh, and alan and young so yeah the um i think that hole seemed to be quite a particularly tricky hole as well so i think uh, i think you were allowed to let yourself be frustrated i think i think three of the four people on the card went ob on that one so uh, uh, yeah I, it might even be a different hole but yeah, there's a few water holes on that one, but I was just so upset because the Hades had came out that year, and so I only had maybe like three left, and I had gotten a bunch, but just from touring, you know, you play a lot of courses that have water and thick, um, what is it called, like thick roughs, yep. where if you throw in there, you're yeah, yeah. So I had dwindled down to only having a couple of those left. And then when that one went in the water, I almost lost it. I was like, but um, this is kind of, it's coming back full circle, but it was funny when you had mentioned Calvin Heimberg earlier, how you don't know if he's a, or you're talking about how he doesn't really show a lot of emotion. I remember when he won Jonesboro, I was watching the coverage uh, and he won and I would kind of expect him to be kind of celebrating or something, but he just looks just as serious as if he had lost. One thing you must, must love from last year, Vanessa, is, is when we got to DGPT, the, the Pro Tour ending, you know, having that equal payout for MPO and FPO for me that was a changing point in the sport I was I was incredibly proud to be part of a sport where we've got equal opportunities um I'd love to know what your thoughts were around that as well yeah it was a big surprise to me because that's never been done before so I was mainly really I mean I'm excited about it in general but mainly because the disc golf pro tour championships were aired on ESPN two. I thought it was a really awesome move um, for people who are seeing uh, the sport for the first time, or even larger companies um, who are seeing the sport for the first time are, if they're seeing an equal payout and equal opportunity. uh, I feel like that can really mesh with people a lot better than seeing um, like gender stratification in a new sport, they might have a bad idea about it, but I felt like it was a really good move um, for any potential new sponsors that are interested in the sport to see that men and women are treated equally. Yeah, completely, completely get that. And I feel, I hope we're going to see more of it this year, you know, with that equal yeah. part, because the sport is equally as hard for both parties. And I think everyone does a great job um, and, and pushes it you know, you've got ball golf and you've got disc golf, but I, I generally think that in disc golf, we have a better gender equality out there. 
uh, or gender yeah. equality is, is great to see people you know, doing as well as they are including yourself you know discraft elite team i mean discraft is my favorite brand out there most of my bag nice. is discraft <laughs> but it, it's 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 great to see people doing such great things um you know we were speaking to nate sexton a couple of weeks back and there was someone on his youtube channel that was 15 years old when he she he first saw her and she's about to do her first full tour this year and it's just great oh, to wow. see that. um he put cynthia ricotti uh, oh yeah, yeah yeah so she was on champs versus chumps with nate um and she outdrove paul Macbeth. Oh. four years later she's about to do a, a full tour and i just think that's such a great thing to to see so maybe robin four years time will be on the pro tour yeah there you go I, th I think there's a beauty of being involved in a young like you, you joke Dale and I've, I've got no disillusions of being on the pro in the pro tour anytime soon but I think there is a beauty of being part of a young sport and actually being able to uh, climb through the ranks quite quickly obviously in the UK we have uh, I'll say football but uh, soccer but equally in the NFL um, I'm a big supporter of that as well so but with that obviously the pool is so large of people that are trying to um, access that sport on a on a, on a high level that it, it the, the chances are, uh, are, are beyond one percent i think one thing we have as an opportunity being uh quite young and a small sport is the opportunities um i think especially in the fpo oh, yeah. um it's you know what give it a go because the yes there's stiff competition out there but there's always room in disc golf currently for more competitions so there's nothing stopping someone reaching uh the higher ma levels uh or or even the um uh, the, the pro levels so I think it's uh, I think there's some exciting developments over the next few years to be well made, I feel sure. like what's really interesting for people is uh or people who are interested in jumping making the jump from being an am to a potentially touring pro would be to follow Brody Smith's journey because he basically did that um in a year he turned I think I don't remember what his rating his starting point was i think it was maybe like 920 or something pretty low and and one year he was able to uh bring himself up to a scratch player essentially i think his rating is 999 but basically hey, don't tell him that because he doesn't like no. it <laughs> <laughs> i can imagine but i mean i think um it would probably take about a year of a lot of practice to get up to a thousand and then another year to get the experience out on tour and then after that you could you probably wouldn't have a problem finding uh sponsors and making money because um if you're not like one of the top five players most of the money that you make isn't going to be from prize money or bonuses it's going to be from uh selling discs yeah so you want to whether you get them for free or you have to buy them wholesale, um, whatever your, whoever your sponsor is, um, you want to invest like a couple thousand dollars into buying discs and making a custom stamp and then selling them while you're on tour. And that's like a, a really good way to uh, make extra funds. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think Brody's done a great job of the get freaky, hasn't he? So he's, he's not, he's not disqualified oh, elite, but. Yeah. The amount of plastic he sells in that zone is mental. Yeah, it's crazy. He sell. I mean, I don't know what they're selling for now, but at one point, I saw that they were selling for two hundred and fifty a piece. If you have a black one, <laughs> nearly a thousand dollars. Wow, I've been wondering yeah. why do people love the black ones so much? Because they're terrible for throwing. You're just gonna lose them, and it's just so weird. All the like in the last year or two black discs just boomed if you have a black get freaky zone with money stamp game over that's, that's your mortgage paid <laughs> you can retire <laughs> i know exactly what you mean with um black discs though the one i think the one disc in dale's bag that isn't discraft is a uh, a black destroyer and every time he gets it out i know that we're up for a 10 minute search session after his t-shirt oh, right, because right. that thing just buries itself um and and loves to get lost so, that's funny um, it's like you might as well get a camouflage a camouflage disc. <laughs> well, um, one thing we'd love to uh, love to uh, know from you. Obviously, um, you you've been in the FPO and the female game for a few years now, and you've seen it grow. And um, 
We would love to know how you think the UK, maybe being a few years behind, might just make a couple of strides to really getting um, women involved in the game because uh, there's someone that's a great ambassador over in the UK called Carol Finley, who's building at the Female Bag Tag League and doing wonderful strides. But is there anything we can do as uh, as male okay. players to encourage uh, female players? Um, so we, uh, we uh, are in, when we're allowed, are in a weekend club and actually we have no female members currently. Um, so do you have any tips that you think, you know what, that's what would attract mm-hmm. me to the game and how we might be able to implement that? So I think uh, one of the things or the main thing that scares women or intimidates women from joining male dominated sports is um, they know that their looks are going to be judged before their skills. And that can be uh, really uncomfortable, um, especially when you know people are thinking or talking about um, your body or what you're wearing and the emphasis is on whether you're pretty enough or skinny enough or you know, certain body parts are big enough or small enough. And um, (laughs) that can be extremely uncomfortable and intimidating. So I think um, an environment that would make women feel more comfortable is if they are praised more for their skill sets or progress. And um, comments are made, keep the comments um, directed towards them as being athletes and not really on what they look like. I mean, obviously it's human nature to, you know, say stuff like that, but just use uh, discretion and say that in private conversations and not um, on public forums online where those women can read that about themselves or whatever, just, you know, just basic stuff like that. I know it doesn't sound like a big deal or you guys probably, like everyone feels like they already know that, but that is a big problem for women and that's what prevents them from coming into the sport. So if, yeah, I think if people can just kind of um, eliminate that problem, then there wouldn't be a reason why women wouldn't want to or wouldn't feel comfortable joining the sport. I think that's really important. I think that's, uh, you, you couldn't put any better. I think the UK, I think everyone needs to understand that, you know, everyone's in the sport for the same reason. There shouldn't be a differential just because of other things. So it should all to do be about you know, that skill level. I'll direct attention directly to the listeners now. So you guys listening to this, you've heard Vanessa. Like It's all about the game. Let's keep about the game and let's grow that FPO uh, over in the UK. Because, um, I mean, I, I, w- I want to see a, a bigger FPO community over here. And I think um, if that's the way we're going to do it, yeah. let's, let's, let's make sure we get it done. I, I just, I really appreciate that you guys are... Um, I just even what you guys asked right now is really a big thing. I mean, you're making it known that you guys are welcoming and want more women in the sport. And that's like big, that's a huge key right there. Just knowing that we're wanted there and people enjoy our company and respect us. I mean, that's, that's everything right there. So thank you guys for that. Oh no, hundred percent. We're both massive FPO fans. You know, nice. we, we love FPO, you know, I've got, um, Quite a few page PSDs, soon to have a Vanessa Van Dyke meter in the bag. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it means, I think, you know, being advocates and yeah, every weekend, of course, we're going to watch the MPO, but straight after that or straight before it, I'm on the FPO. You know, I want to know what's going on. I want to know who's yeah. won that week because it's just as important, 100%. Yeah, you guys better be uh, rooting for me <laughs> even when I'm playing bad all the time. You guys are going to be my. Don't worry about that. We'll be your cheerleaders. <laughs> As long as you root for us when we play bad, it, it's not covered. That yeah. uh, we'll, we'll message you and let you know. Uh, let me know how we got on. But um, so uh, we're taking up a lot of your time, so we'll let you go in a second. But just beforehand, I wanted to ask a question that we asked uh, Nate when he was on the show, and I think you may have answered it already. So maybe we can just clarify. Okay. Um, so the third episode of the show, we're talking about losing discs. Now it's a it's a part of the game. Um, could you tell us quickly, is there a time where you've lost a disc that still keeps you up at night? Maybe, so was it that Hades at Ledgestone or is there one that... You guys are bringing it up again. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely. So, okay, this is a DGA disc, but I'm allowed to throw DGA because uh, Discraft manufactures uh, mm-hmm. DGA. But uh, I had a pipeline, which is really similar to uh, Undertaker. And they actually have the same flight numbers, but I feel like pipeline is just 
ever so slightly more understable. And uh, this year we played the women's national championship at Winthrop with the men. And on hole five, which is the huge water hole, uh, I had a easy shot over the water, like a little turnover. Wasn't that far, maybe 270 feet um, just to park it. And that was the perfect disc for that exact line. And there's nothing in the way. And uh, I was like, all right, I'm just going to go for birdie, throw it over the water. And I knew the pipeline would make it. And uh, I released it a little low. And the only obstacle was this little shrub in front of me. And there was like a little thick stick kind of sticking out and it nicked it and just slowed it down enough oh, no. and redirected it. So it hyzered out and I lost it forever. And that one keeps me up at night that, yeah that exact throw and everything I remember it so perfectly and we're not allowed to go in the water at all there because it's on a college campus and they're really strict about um, us going in the water I'm not sure why it's probably some liability issues but if you go in the water you can get um, disqualified from the tournament just for that so there was literally nothing I could do <laughs> ouch but that's the but one well, actually, um, on the in the first episode, uh, my first ever disc was a DGA disc. Uh, before I knew anything about nice. brands, it was, but it was the worst first disc to play with because <laughs> it was a it was a one disc only round, and it was a DGA Quake, which is the most overstable mid range I <laughs> I ever threw. So I was wondering why I could only get my shots to go like thirty meters, but and before it shot off to uh, out of uh, out of uh, out of bounds. What about you? my lost disc was um oh, i've lost so many um but the one that probably hurt me the most <laughs> was an x soft heat uh, i said it in our when i lost and found it you know it went into the water and it was never found again but um i also had a disc mania cd3 which was my favorite ever disc before i sort of started to switch to discraft and it was the furthest i've ever thrown it and it went straight into the water <laughs> so oh, never to be found again but that was on a college or university campus at the same time with the same rules where you can't go in. Yeah. So it must be a college ring. Yeah. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us today. We've taken up uh, a quite a considerable amount of your time, but we um, we couldn't think of anyone better to chat to on an evening. So uh, we, we really appreciate it. Um, we hope that we can get oh, thank we you. hope we can get you back on uh, at the end of the season, maybe, and we can talk about uh, how you got on. I know we'll be um, we'll be following uh, week on week and we can't wait to see uh, uh, see how you get on. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Just let me know. I enjoyed myself and thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to meet both of you and get to know you. And I'll have to try and if you guys play any tournaments, I'll, I'll look up your PDGA profiles randomly to see how you're doing. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll get a good, you, you'll definitely get a good laugh out of that. So that's, <laughs> thank you so much for joining the podcast. Um, thank you. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa Van Dyken. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Vanessa, what a hell of a guest. It was uh, it was great to sit down with her. Genuinely the nicest person you, you could hope to chat to of an evening. So we were absolutely honoured. We could have chatted for hours. Oh, and believe me, that's a slightly edited version. Uh, and some of the guests we've got coming up, we've had to we've had to cut ourselves short because these pros, you know what? Some of them, uh, they're to the point. Uh, but some of these guys, when you get them talking and when you get us talking, it just it just flows and we don't want to burden you guys with a two-hour podcast so we'll do our best to edit and keep the best bits in so that brings us to the end of the show almost so i just want to give another shout out to the sponsor of the show discub.co.uk don't forget that we've got another guest the guest competition on our story on instagram next week for you so keep a lookout for that and you could be winning a 15 pound voucher so that's a new bit of plastic for your bag and uh, that as always, they massively support us and what we're doing on the show. So make sure you use code AMSIDE5 for 5% off your next order. Yes. Um, and every every time you use that code and every time you shop with Discub, um, you, you're only making this podcast better and helping us, you know, get further and further along. But uh, just before we go, Rob, let's talk about uh, this week's Silver Series event, the Open at Belton. Um, MPO and FBO, who have you got? I mean... I've said it earlier on the episode, you know who I've got for the MPO, Kimborg, uh, aka Vinny Heimberg. He's, uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's going to win one of them. And I don't want it to be always the bridesmaid, never the bride story. 
he's he's coming in hot this guy conditions anything he's fighting through and he's hitting those top spots so MPO Heimberg put a pin in it this is his, this is his weekend and then oh FBO is so hard because you've got to think that Paige Pierce is going to want to fight back and bounce back and she's got something to prove now from the last weekend and that can be dangerous. Someone with that kind of drive and mentality can be extremely dangerous out in the course and come out with an amazing show. But is Kona going to be shooting as hot as she has been the last few? I mean, she's she's got one up on Paige in terms of tournament wins. I'm going to say Paige Pierce. Again, I think she's going to come back with something to prove. And I, I yeah, I think that's my guesses. Got Heimberg, MPO, FPO, Paige Pierce. Okay, so I'm going to change it up this week because uh, I've gone Paul Macbeth every week so far. Um, You're losing faith gonna, in Paul Macbeth. Absolutely, never lose faith in Paul <laughs> Macbeth because I know he'll be up there second and third. So he'll be in my grip six regardless. I'm going to go this week with Clemens, MPO. He had a really good... I think he's, he's throwing well. Um I think he's got he's got something in him, and Belton he, he enjoys Belton, um, so I'm looking forward to that. FPO again, I'm going to change it up. I'm going to own Scoggins. You think she's going to come in with number two? I, I generally think that she's going to come in um, because we've seen her up there, and I think she's ready to go. She's ready to hit it. I mean, hitting two of the four would be amazing for uh, as a comeback story for Owen. So. You know what? If that happens, I'll hand you the prediction win because that's something that I also would love to see. And someone that we'd love to get on the podcast. All of these people we're talking uh, about on the show, we're hoping to have on soon. So um, if you're listening, guys, <laughs> this is where this is the place to be. <laughs> you know where we are. But until next time, if we don't see you on the course, we'll see you on the AMP side.